Brought to you by Oahu Beach Face Savers, this is Boy Meets World Fever. I'm one of your hosts, Chance. And I'm your other host, Cameron. Hey Cameron, how you doing today? I'm pretty good, how about you, Chance? I am also doing pretty well. We're recording episode two. Here we are, episode two. We never thought we would make it this far. No, we still haven't edited episode one, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We will. Uh, so if for any of you who are listening for the first time, which is episode two, so that's not too unbelievable. This is Boy Meets World Fever, Boy Meets World Fever actually, a uh, recap, analysis, and timeline podcast of the 1993 sitcom Boy Meets World, and eventually the rebooted Girl Meets World. Yes. So we're walking along this journey together, watching every episode again, which is not a chore, I'd say, for either of us. And then we're talking through the things that happen, trying to make sense of some of the uh, kind of wackier timeline events that take place in the show. So far, not anything too crazy, but it does start to sort of get convoluted. Yeah, we'll be doing uh, two episodes a week, most weeks, um, for really important episodes, like the series premiere last week. Uh, We did uh, one episode, and for some important episodes in the future, we'll only do one but for most of the time we're going to do two episodes at a time and this week we are doing episode 102 on the fence and episode 103 father knows less i'm glad he remembered that because i forgot Well, it's just such a good title. It is. It's a great title. And these are some good episodes. Uh, without any spoilers, I think we're both going to be pretty positive about both of them. I think so, too. Uh, I'd say they're better than the f- premiere. I mean, it's not hard to be better than a premiere. Mm-hmm. I think they do a great job. They're also two really Alan Matthews-centered episodes. Yeah, a lot of dad stuff. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am not a dad. I am the Sean Hunter of the podcast. I have almost no family. And I am single, a single adult right now. Cameron. Mm-hmm. I am. My dad. I have two boys. Not quite Eric and Corey age. Not even Morgan age. I don't think they're four and one. I think Morgan's about five. Yeah. In the show, so not quite there yet. But really starting to hit me right where it hurts. I have my hand on my heart. You can't see that because um, this is an audio format. But really, really uh, hitting me where I live as I'm watching these. Yep. And Cameron is also a teacher, so he'll be giving us that perspective as well. And I'll be giving you the I was a slacker in school perspective. So you know they're they're kind of we equal. got a little something for everybody here. Yeah, so uh, I think with all that, we're just going to jump into it with the episodes. We'll be doing one episode. Um, we're going to be giving you an analysis, then talking about timeline, then rating the episode. Then we'll be doing the same thing for the next episode. Um, one thing that we have changed from the premiere is we're now going to do a ranking system out of 10 so we can get kind of variations in numbers because mm-hmm. at the end of the season, we're going to pit all the episodes in the season against each other to come out with what's the best episode of this season so that at the end of the series and then we'll do the same for Girl Meets World and at the end of that series we can put all the best episodes together to figure out what is the single best episode of Boy Meets World Girl Meets World and both Mm -hmm. I mean everybody loves a good tournament you don't have to like basketball to be there for March Madness so I think it's a good idea yeah I think it's going to be a lot of fun so we changed the rating system uh, so that we can have a little bit more variation so we can kind of seed the bracket Mm -hmm. hope you guys weren't too attached yeah I mean that's a whole one episode so our new ratings for uh, episode one, the pilot, uh, mine is a six. And mine was a seven. Yep. So the the average score is going to be 6.5. So it's going to be there on the bracket. There it is. So Chance, we're getting into episode 102 on the fence. Do you want to give us a just a brief synopsis of the episode before we dive in? Yeah. Um, I mean, Corey meets money at this point. Uh, there's a water war coming up. All of Corey's friends have water 
guns, which I feel like is a thing all kids can relate to, like all your friends have something. We'll get more into it when we talk about it, but I just thought that was really relatable. But yeah, all of Corey's friends have water guns. He doesn't have one, and his parents say uh, they're not going to buy him one, so he finds a way to earn the money. Very good. So, getting started, Chance. I have a big question for both of us. And you all at home. Play along at home. If you want to. Nobody's probably listening. But if you ever listen, you should play along. This is a question posed. First line of the episode. If you could have any superhero to be your dad, who would you pick? Okay. And you gotta give us a why. I'm a teacher. You have to tell me why. Okay. I was actually gonna ask this uh, question as well. The two in the show they talk about are Superman and Batman, um, which I feel like are really cliche, mm-hmm. um, but... But I mean, good. Yeah, those are those are good answers. I mean, uh, gosh, I think honestly, the one I would pick, and it's kind of obscure. Cameron and I are both comic book guys, so we have co- quite a plethora of heroes to pick from. I honestly think the Blue Beetle, Ted Cord, would be. He was the second Blue Beetle. He's kind of like Batman, uh-huh, but and, funny. Yeah, he's funny. He's nice. Like, he's fun charming. To be around. I feel like Batman's a terrible answer because he would be an absentee dad. Uh-huh. He would be gone all the time, and he's died a lot. Yeah. Blue Beetles died too. So, I mean, superhero being your dad, they're probably going to die, but they'll probably come back. Yep, that's true. But I like, you know, I like all the money. That would be really nice. And I just like how nice of a person Blue Beetle is. Plus, I'd get to hang out with Booster Gold, and that would also be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. I would probably have to say, and I've given this some thought, I would say Aquaman because his superpowers aren't some accident that gave him his powers. It's not some gadgets that he has. It's because he's half Atlantean. So then I would be, at the very least, a quarter Atlantean, and I'd probably have some cool superpowers. That's true. Nice vacation home down in Atlantis, getting in a little bit of struggle for the throne. Never a dull time. Tritons are also very cool. Super cool. Triton or Trident? I don't know. That's a good question. (laughs) Not important. Not what we're here to talk about today. Not trying to be pedantic. I had the same thought when I said it, though. (laughs) I was like, I don't know that I've ever said this word out loud. You know, it's just got Little Mermaid on the brain. We're talking Disney, so... It makes sense. It's true. Well, ABC at the time. I don't think Disney owned them quite yet. Uh, That's true. But in my mind, it's all the same. But yeah, so uh, Corey picks Superman, which uh, his two friends, we still can't name Sean because the stinking show hasn't named Mm -hmm. Sean. I I don't think they ever named the other kid ever. No, I feel like we see him again. I think so too. We'll have to see maybe a couple of times. Yeah, but they they still haven't named Sean. But Corey says Superman um, because he's faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive. But the other's point out bad answer you can see through walls yep can't get away with anything yep and then uh his two friends one of them may someday be named sean we don't know probably say batman because of the money um Mm -hmm. which we kind of addressed i would say ted cord also for the money but also because he's just a better human being than batman Uh it's very true so who we do get another named character in this scene very first sentence about him says his name which is says there's minkus kind of the nerd of season one gets premiered here and what an introduction i absolutely love it i i do as well uh he his first line is owl and apparently water guns hurt now i don't really know but uh <laughs> some character who may someday be named sean shoots him in the back of the head and he says ow 
So he is a wimp. <laughs> yep. I'll just say it because water guns don't hurt. Yep. What did you love so much about his introduction? I loved how, even though he's the nerd, it's not in like a sage by the bell kind of nerd. Like we're going to get picked on and we're going to take it. It's like, I'm not going to take it. You guys are shooting me with a water gun. Guess what? I got an even way bigger water gun than you do. And I'm going to take you guys down. Um, Minkus is a wonderful character because he just never takes it from anybody. Now you were in marching band. Uh What instrument was that a case for? It looked like a baritone. It case almost for me. looked, yeah, like a euphonium or a baritone, which is sort of, for if you don't know, kind of like a trombone, but without the slide, uh, maybe a little bit bigger bell, which is the part that kind of curves out. Okay, okay. Um, we keep saying water gun too, but we both know that none of those were simple water guns right, because were, we grew up in the 90s yeah, and they super were super soakers. Super soakers. <clears throat> and everything but name. Yep, everything but name, but the appearance was super soaker. Um, the one that some kid who might someday be sean is using is and as a super soaker i actually owned <laughs> i had that super soaker uh the one that spoiler alert Corey gets at the end of the episode mm-hmm. um and i knew people who had the other kid once again he's not named so sorry but the other kid super soaker i know kids who had that one but minkus is i had never Ooh. seen a super soaker like that in what, my entire life uh real i don't even know how to describe <laughs> it. that is just what you want right there it's got like four or five tanks on it um, i remember seeing the ads in the back in the day for the where it has like a backpack filled with water oh I yeah i gotta say that seems so cool but also as like a little kid water's heavy water like is carrying heavy. around a big water gun like that or a big backpack filled with water that's just not a good combination for like a 10 year old no probably not they're 11 that's true they're 11 but yes um so yeah those were super soakers they were all the rage when we were kids as well i really related to Corey in this scene and i feel like every kid relates to Corey, which is odd because someone had to have had the thing uh-huh. but i really felt like no matter what super soaker i ever had all my friends had better uh-huh. ones i don't really remember having a super soaker like that wasn't you know like going to a water war like is the main sort of thrust of the episode the thing that drives everything i don't really remember doing that or doing a big thing with a whole bunch of neighborhood kids but there's still always that thing all your friends have like you remember like the nintendo 64 came out and it's like oh man you got a nintendo 64 i would love to play one of those but i never never did and so it's just like that kind of like being the guy on the outside while everybody else is doing a thing and that's a very relatable position to be in yeah i I also really uh, related to Corey in this episode because water balloons are still fun. You don't need a super balloon. <laughs> Just as much saturation with a well-placed water balloon. Um, I do have one thing, one question during this opening scene, and then we can just get along with the rest of it. But where in the world, why is nobody watching these kids? <laughs> How is every single student in there have a water gun, one, and two, have it out shooting across the cafeteria and nobody notices? Like, you can't leave children unsupervised. That's like teaching 101. Don't trust kids. And they just let them all be in the cafeteria on their own with big old water guns. And then also, why does Mr. Feeney drink from the water fountain? That's like a noob level. Don't drink from the water fountain at the school. Kids don't know how to drink from a water fountain. They're like, put their mouths all over it or sneeze all over it. Don't do it. I, Clearly, doesn't I, know what he's doing. I have a very similar note, and it's, is Mr. Feeney actually pretty dumb? <laughs> because he goes to that water fountain, and he looks at Corey, and he's like, the water fountain is not a toy. With the amount of water that had to be all over there, there's no way Mr. Feeney is sitting there thinking, oh, well, yeah, 
yes, Corey clearly did this with a water fountain. Uh, maybe Mr. Feeney's in on it. Ooh. He's he, like, we need to get Corey. He gave them all their water guns. Mm-hmm. We did talk about how he was originally supposed to be kind of a nemesis figure for so, Corey. So yes, maybe. The, the shadow man of the entire series is Mr. Feeney, actually. But yeah, we should get on um, with the show. Yeah, so the next is him trying to convince his family mm-hmm. in the house uh, to buy him a $49.95 plus tax water gun. Mm-hmm. And he does his his best. I don't think he knows what a dress is. He's like, what is that you're wearing, Mom? A dress? And it's clearly like a it was like pants and a shirt with a jacket. Very much not a dress. It may have been a skirt. I couldn't Maybe. really tell. But yeah. But I feel was... like by 11, you know the difference between a skirt and a dress. Oh, absolutely. My question is what was Corey wearing? Because Corey was wearing like a flannel sleeveless hoodie, hoodie vest. jacket i want one i saw it and i was like that is a look that i want to pull off but like i can't figure out what its purpose would even be the 90s especially the early 90s was all about layers like you can't watch any sort of grunge 90s anything like my so-called life or whatever and they just got layers they don't need them all but it's just like the more layers you have the more respect you have Okay, I'll take your word so, for it. That's why he doesn't have sleeves. He's only like kind of respectable. Because he doesn't have everything. Yeah, but we see even here really quickly, Alan being that super dad, like, coming home, what's wrong? Let me go take care of it. I'm going to go fix the bathroom, and I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to go do that. And so it's just setting up really quickly kind of the dynamic around the home. Yeah, that Alan is a handyman, um, that he fixes things around the house. Obviously not very well if things keep re-breaking, uh-huh. but at least but, he's trying. Know, he does his best. Yep. And uh, then Corey... Uh, tries a few different ways, none of them all that memorable to me at least, uh, to convince them to get him mm-hmm. a water gun, uh, talking about the living room being on fire. <laughs> nice little interaction with Morgan there. Oh, like, right. why is it on fire? Why are your legs broken? And then, you know, typical big brother, because she tripped over your dead body. <gasps> now, you had a little sister. Is that something you would say to your little oh, sister? Oh, no, I, I don't know how he got away with that, especially <laughs> right in front of his mom. Um, but I, like Sean, have TV no. magic for you. <laughs> have no siblings so i'll have to take his word for it Mm -hmm. and i gotta say 50 dollars for a water gun is kind of a lot i did some searching online and similar maybe maybe there's just not as much of a market for it they've hydrosatted the market a little bit that was a really bad joke it was but it's what it's what i do it's the service i provide um anything like 20 to 30 bucks is gonna get you a really nice water gun these days um I know, 93 money is a little different than 2020 money. So it was it was still a lot. Like $50 is a lot of money. I just think it seems like a bit much to be saying, this is what you need. Yeah, I obviously was too young to really like understand prices very much mm-hmm. at the time. But $50 does seem like an awful lot. Um, I did like his dad, Alan, uh, his dad's response, um, maybe for Christmas. And Corey, great. A squirt gun in December. I'll be the little kid spreading pneumonia. <laughs> yeah, that, some very good sass. That was a great joke. I couldn't have gotten away with saying that to my parents. I would have been smacked. Uh-huh. So Corey leads a charmed life, but we already kind of knew that. And I just love the line as uh, Corey's talking to his dad and his dad's saying no. And Corey's just like, I want to be able to afford stuff. And his dad's response is just, so do I. <laughs> Which is so true. You're like, as a kid, you're like, all the money I'm ever going to need, I can just buy the things that I want. And then you become an adult. 
adult and you have rent or a mortgage or car payments or um, all sorts of bills and insurance and all that stuff. And it's like, I don't have the money to do all those things that I would have thought I could do as a kid. So it's just seeing those two worlds kind of butt up against each other. Yep. And then we get the first of many uh, fence meetings with Mr. Feeney Mm -hmm. right after that. Apparently they're learning Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven in sixth grade. Again, a little bit much. That's middle school stuff, at least as far as I can can think of. But you know. I I just want to know what a paper written by Corey Matthews about The Raven would have been. (laughs) Probably something calling Ed Poe a major freakoid. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, what a major freakoid. Just like the Mr. Feeney's like, you're... You have no idea. <laughs> he really is a major freakoid. <laughs> he really was a major freakoid. Um, and then uh, we get the, I, I don't know, inciting incident uh-huh. of the episode. Yeah, the painting of the shutters. Yeah, I did some math. So five dollars times two shutters times eight windows gets you 80 bucks. Uh-huh. So uh, Corey, well, how, what is that, like 58 bucks? Uh-huh. And Mr. Feeney just takes him up on it and is like, come on, Feeney, you're shorting this kid 22 bucks. <laughs> you know, he set the price. You get to take the lowest bidder. That's what he's That's what he's doing there. He's just putting it out there, take, getting some bids. Corey offers his bid at 58 bucks. Of course he's going to take it. But it's as just your, good business. But as his teacher, wouldn't you want to educate him what the proper way to do that math is? Well, he said he was worth every bit of that C plus that he gave him in math. So I think this is a life lesson for Corey. Years later, he'll say, oh, I should have gotten 22 more dollars for that. I wouldn't have owed eight bucks at the end. When I was done with all the painting. Yep, yep. And then, uh, you know, Corey somehow, magically, has the paint to do it. Mm -hmm. And a paint gun, which I have so many questions about. You know, his dad does a lot of stuff around the house. Maybe they just have one. But what about, where did he get the paint? Did Feeney provide it? Uh, Did his parents provide it? I think probably Mr. Feeney would have provided it. I don't see why not. So, he would have provided more than just the 58 bucks then Uh if he bought the paint too. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that Alan has a paint gun laying around. He okay. seems like the kind of guy he has a big, huge wrench. I don't have a big, huge wrench. Well, I mean, I'm a homeowner. Aren't I supposed to have a big, huge wrench? I don't know. Um, Maybe you could have one. I don't know. Who knows? Um, Yeah, I had to look up who Earl Scheib was. He says he's a young Earl Scheib. Did you look that up? I didn't. It was actually a like an auto collision repair and painting company that started in 1937, but they closed down in 2010. So sort of a topical humor that even during the time period i had no idea no. never heard of this company does is that something alan says to Corey? that's something that uh, mr feeney says to alan ah. about Corey's work he's just a young earl scheib and i'm like i don't know what that is i'm gonna need to look that up i, I didn't even remember him saying it but i'm glad you did the mm-hmm. legwork to look that up and then uh Corey doesn't realize that things go through shutters uh-huh. so he painted their white fence striped green uh-huh. it's a good look it's a bold look <laughs> it is a bold um, look and his response is just you got me. I'm an idiot. And his dad says, no, you're just a kid. And he's like, I'm a kid idiot. Which, there's got to there's gotta be something for that. I don't know why we don't use that more often. It's like, you're a kid. You do something dumb. You're just a kid idiot. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I liked the, the line, when you open the shutters, does the light go through that incited that? <laughs> I'm an idiot. I'm a kid idiot. Yeah. So, um, the, the fence is painted. Obviously, Corey now has to repaint the fence. Mm-hmm. And... 
Hilarity ensues, as it always does. Minkus and the other two unnamed boys, one of whom maybe is named Sean. The other one I don't think ever gets a name, but they show up to do the painting. Corey tries to Tom Sawyer them. Minkus catches on to it because he actually did the summer reading. Now we would be remiss not to talk real quick about Minkus being decked out head to toe yes, in rain gear. He has a wonderful fisherman's outfit. He's just like on the, the bag of fish sticks. Yeah, that guy, yes, you know, yeah. he's just there. He looks so good. That's like a good look. Yeah, Minkus, he's like ready for war. Minkus is the breakout of this episode. I, I would say so. I would say so. He's uh, ready for war. He knows who what who Tom Sawyer is. Mm-hmm. That's Mr. Banana, bud. Now, uh, Corey pays them the remaining uh, $7. Uh, wait, was it 7 Yeah, $7, <laughs> yeah, seven that he had from Mr. Feeney's payment to help the, him paint the fence so he can make it to the water war in time. Um, so I did some math. Um, and roughly that means that tax in 1993 Philadelphia was 2%. That's, that, that's insane. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, Only we could build a time machine and go back. Yeah. Now, there's no way that is actually what tax was, but I thought it was an interesting thought. What if sales tax was only 2%? What a wonderful world. So he uh, gets them to help paint the fence. Mm-hmm. Now, here's my question. Uh, afterwards, he brings them lunch. He brings them popsicles. Is he being unreasonable or are the kids being unreasonable? I mean, why has Minkus got to make a big deal? I would really prefer Heath Bar Crunch for my ice cream that I'm getting, like you're providing to me, that you may or may not have in the freezer. Like, that one crosses the line, but otherwise, I think the other kids are right. Like, you paid us seven bucks and you're being kind of mean, and we've got somewhere to be. So we're just going to go be there and see ya. Yeah, I did like him (laughs) (laughs) taking his ice cream and... Shoving it in the dirt. Here you go. Crunch on that, Minkus. Yep. I mean, that's Heath Bar Crunch right there. Mm-hmm. Just dirt Just on a popsicle. Dirt, dirt and chocolate, Heath Bar Crunch. Um, Probably potting soil probably would not be good for you. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, true. So, a lot of chemicals in there. Mm-hmm. So the friends leave. They go to the water war. Corey, Corey continues to paint the fence. Mm-hmm. His dad comes. They have a nice heart-to-heart moment where his dad just says, you know what? You should just go. You can still get to the water war if you run. You should just be a kid. Yes. Yeah. Um, before that, real quick, though, <laughs> Mr. Feeney talks uh-huh. about the puritanical or puritan work ethic uh-huh. of his of his father. He <laughs> worked me from sunup to sundown. And uh, Alan hilariously responds, I don't want you working anymore. <laughs> you see how I turned out? I don't want you working anymore. Yes. And so they have that exchange. And he sends him on his way to the water war. Um, and then when Corey comes back, he's just dripping wet, having such had such fun. And um, he sees his dad out there painting the fence, doing the work, not complaining about it, not making a big deal about it. And Corey just realizes, tying back to the beginning, my dad is Superman. Yeah. He just, Eric is adding a little bit, saying at work, he never sits down. He's always working the whole time, eats his lunch standing up. And so Corey just realizes, this is who my dad is. Like my dad is a really good man who works really hard to provide for his family. Yep. Yep, it's a very sweet moment. Um, you mentioned Eric. Eric is a presence in this whole episode, but I didn't take a single note about him. Yeah, other than he's kind of a pretty boy. Like at the end where he's like, not my hair, watch out for my hair. Which we're going to get to the end really oh. soon because it's the best end. Yeah, we got we to gotta, we gotta save stuff for the end. Um, but yeah, so 
exactly what Cameron says happens. Um, Eric kind of gives him some perspective about uh, work, that how his dad is a hard worker, not only at home, but even at his job. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just get this really sweet moment of Corey watching his dad out the window. You could make the argument that maybe Corey should go help, help his dad. But, you know, that's too much. His dad said to have fun and to stop working so he doesn't turn into Mr. Feeney. We won't get into that. <laughs> and then we go to the final scene, which I think, at least in thinking of Boy Meets World, this final scene and then like the kind of, I don't know the name for the little bit at the end is the credits roll. I was about to say Stinger, but that's wrong. Um, yeah, I don't know what it's called either. We should look that kind up. Kind of the ending bit are like some of the best scenes of any Boy Meets World. Yeah, we can't say that for sure because we're going through this fresh, but... <clears throat> that's true. But of the two we've watched so far, beats beats all of them. <laughs> all yeah. two of them. So they're at the dinner table. They're all gathered around a very tiny table. Mm-hmm. And Corey starts talking to his dad about Hog and all the work and he pulls out a little water gun that they refer to as a water pistol mm-hmm. and starts shooting his dad. Yes. And then he tells his dad, you wouldn't be angry with me for shooting you with this if you had one. And he's asked, tells him, check under the table. There might be something taped there for you. Uh-huh. Question, how would he not have noticed that throughout all of dinner? You know, if the table's kind of high, the table I'm sitting at, I guess I would at this table, but maybe the table's higher. He's sitting kind of back. It's a crowded table. Not everybody can get up under there. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I just thought, that is right in his lap. <laughs> would he possibly have not known that was there but yeah it's a really cute little scene mm-hmm. and then so they are there and then they both shoot the mom and then she's upset about it he's like well why don't you check under your side of the table and see if you're still mad so she does nothing under there i was like what do you think i am made of money um which is just so good and then they proceed to have a big kind of water fight yeah the mom does the smart thing and grabs the uh i don't know what is that even called in the, the faucet where you can pull the pull it out the spray I guess. Yeah, I don't She's know. Spraying. That's it's a very long sprayer hose. It like is. I think in my current house, it maybe goes a foot. It's terrible, but they really had it then, a lot then. Yeah, and then she grabs like a squirt bottle and uh-huh. they all go outside and have a water war, leaving the delightful Morgan on the counter with nothing but a phone, which we'll get to in a second. And a jar of cookies. And a jar of cookies. She's like, cookie Morgan? Why, yes, thank you. I would love to have a cookie. That was a really good Morgan impression. Uh-huh. Thank you should you. take that on the road. I should. <laughs> Here are all my Lily Nixay impressions, everybody. Get ready, everyone. You know, she's like our age. I think she's only like a year older than us. Yeah, because 93, we were five. Yeah, around five. Mm-hmm. So we were right around her age, which I just learned looking up stuff about the show. But anyway, then we have the ending credits, and then we have a joke at the end. Uh, <laughs> which uh, is An so epilogue. An epilogue. Uh, yes, you could call it an epilogue. Where everyone's in the backyard, spraying each other, and we see Morgan getting the phone. 911. Yes, my parents are fighting, and I can't get down. And they just shot the neighbor. Mr. Feeney comes out, and they're it's like, not my flowers, don't spray my flowers. And they shoot him. They just shot the neighbor. Um... And then just one second, mommy, what's our address? While everyone is outside just spraying each other with water. Um, And it's just this hilarious moment of Morgan kind of up to her antics. Yeah, nothing Morgan's saying is untrue. Her parents are having a fight outside. Uh It's a water fight. Did shoot the neighbor. And they did shoot the neighbor. She can't get down. 
I don't know why she couldn't. My son, who's like four, would be jumping down off of there. No big deal. Maybe she's afraid of heights. Maybe so. But yeah, so nothing she says is untrue. She calls 911. And I just think, man, that's funny. Like, (laughs) Uh us describing it does it no justice. Mm -hmm. Like, we cannot be funnier than the way that uh, the actress who plays Morgan delivers that line. Mm -hmm. Um, It's absolutely hilarious. Um, So I hope you're watching along and you got to see that. Uh If Um, you haven't, you should. Yeah. So... And that's the episode. Um, what'd you think? All all together. Are we doing scores or let's do scores after we give some final thoughts. Uh-huh. Well, I think this is just a huge improvement from the pilot, which mm-hmm. I already thought the pilot was really good, um, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was better thematically mm-hmm. at saying what it needed to say. Um, I also think we're still in the time where it's very family focused. Mm-hmm. So it's not about Corey and his friends, though there is a little bit of that. It's about Corey and his family, which a lot of season one is that. We see that in the next episode as well. So, But I think it does that really well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I also, uh, in the first episode, if you remember, we were uh, very confused on what the what the moral mm-hmm. or the lesson trying to be um, communicated. This is still very much the time in television and definitely the major time in the show where every episode needs a lesson, a moral, uh, a takeaway. Um, um, and in the first episode, we were very confused on what that is. I think it's very clear in this one. Responsibility versus being a kid mm-hmm. and how it's complicated. But at the end of the day... Kids should be kids. Kids should be kids. Um, and don't spread pneumonia in December. It's true. Also immoral. Very bad. Um, so I, I thought it did that really well. I thought the jokes all really landed. Mm-hmm. Um, the comedic... T- we didn't talk about Eric very much, like I said. But the comedic timing of his baseball watch... <laughs> 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. Da-na-na-na. 12 o'clock. <laughs> Yeah, like, so it was just very good. Yeah, the comedic timing of that I thought was excellent. And I I do not laugh out loud a lot when I am watching something by myself. But at the end, every single time I've ever seen that ending stinger, <laughs> that ending epilogue they with Morgan. They just shot the neighbor. I laugh so hard. Um, I would love to do like a, a skit about what it would be like for the cops to come after that <laughs> happened. Maybe if we ever do a live show someday. Maybe. I don't know why that. I don't know why we ever would, but we can dream. Uh, the only problem I had with this episode, and it is a a very big serious problem. What is it? The thing I remember most about Super Soakers is how much you had to pump them. <laughs> no one <laughs> one pump. <laughs> They had so much pressure after one pump, and you pump those things mm-hmm. way more than you ever shoot with them. hate to be the set assistant <laughs> that day. He's like, oh, that take was bad. Let's get back in there. Let me pump it up again. Thank yeah. you, assistant. I mean, you had to pump those things like 10 times to get a squirt like Alan did with the uh, when he was telling him to run to the water war. Uh-huh. And it was a good, it was a good shot. So uh, that is my uh, joke take on why this episode <laughs> is bad. But yeah, I loved this episode. I thought it was great. Um, let's do ratings. Okay. So I do love this episode. I think all sort of cylinders are firing at this point, but I'm going to give it an eight. Because I still think there's, it goes, there's a room to improve still. And I think the room is there and the room gets filled up. But I think it's an eight, which is good. It's a good grade. Yeah. Um, I was initially thinking throughout most of this episode that I was going to give it a 7 um, but the ending is so funny <laughs> the, the the part in the dining room is so funny and then Morgan at the end is so funny and I'm bumping it up a whole nother point for that I'm also giving it an 8 it's an 8 um, I just think 
it is a delightful episode. Um, all all cylinders are firing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. Uh, let's do timeline real quick. I don't think there's much timeline in this. No, I really have two things, which is just Alan and Eric work in a supermarket. Yeah, Alan and Aaron work in a supermarket, and I have another. We'll have to get this timeline out somehow, but um, I think this will be important for later. Alan and Amy used to live in an apartment before they bought this house. That's true, which was a delightful exchange between the two of them. Remember back before we had kids, back in the apartment, back before we even met each other. Wasn't that great? Yep. Just a just a funny little interaction between them. Uh, so right now on the timeline, it's pretty easy to sum up. We know that Corey is 11. 11. We know that Eric is in 10th grade. Um, I still don't think we know his age. No. Though he isn't driving yet, so I think we can assume he is 15. Mm-hmm. He's working. And I feel like 15 is kind of a, like a bag boy at a grocery store. 15 is not unreasonable. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, that he and Alan both work at a grocery store. Um, we don't know what the mom does. I don't know if she does anything at this point. And we know that um, and we know that Alan and Amy lived in an apartment before they bought the house. Mm-hmm. So there it is. We should get a move on. Next is episode 103, Father Knows Less. And Cameron, why don't you go ahead and give us a summary this time? All right. So the main plot of the episode, Corey and Alan are going to be going to see the Blue Angels. Something comes up at the store. And since Alan's the manager, he has to go take care of it. Meaning planes are canceled. They can't go see the Blue Angels. So one night, pretty soon after, Alan goes and wakes Corey up because there's a baseball game. And it looks like it's going to be a no-hitter. And so he wakes him up and they stay up too late. Corey has a test the next day falls asleep during the test and then there's sort of a conflict between Alan and Mr. Feeney about letting Corey make up the test Um, and that's basically the thrust of the episode yep um, the episode opens with uh, Alan and Corey making sandwiches and apparently when they make sandwiches they take an entire unopened case of like Oscar Mayer ham and put it on a piece of bread. Mm-hmm. It's like a three inch thick meat cylinder I, between two regular slices of bread. That means that sandwich cost them like seven dollars. But it was worth it. <clears throat> and uh, they put some mustard on that and put another slice of bread on it. So apparently that is a sandwich in the Matthews house. No wonder they are only middle class and not upper middle class is uh-huh. all i'm saying <laughs> though amy does seem to take some issue with it saying i have some momly food not just manly food she gives him an apple yeah at the end of this episode we really need to talk about boy meets world's views on what masculinity is because i have <laughs> questions but there's more to come so we'll do that <clears throat> at the end yes so here we get introduced to our new character of this episode. And that is Leonard Spinelli. <laughs> nice Leonard to meet Spinelli. you. He's the assistant manager at the store and he is just a very interesting character. Hi, Mr. Cameron. I'm Leonard Spinelli. I work with your father. Yeah, Lenny. We've met. You come <laughs> over for dinner like 20 times. Yeah, I... One of my notes just says, how did Leonard become the assistant store manager? <laughs> he's just a good yes man. Not really a yes man. I don't know. He's just, he's always going to listen, do what he's told, not really ask questions. Yes. He's a good number two. Uh, and the reason Lenny is there, Lenny as they call him, is because <laughs> uh, a shelf containing Perrier, which is a sparkling French water, Disgusting. broke. Yeah, Cameron hates sparkling water. I grew up on it, so I'm fine with it. No, no. It's terrible. 
Um, but a shelf containing that Perrier broke and sent a wave down aisle six, which contains... 10,000 packages of Alka-Seltzer. Which is just the funniest It's idea. just very hilarious. But this is sort of a joke timeline edition. Because it's not timeline edition time for this episode. But this is a very big grocery store. If they can have 10,000 packages of Alka-Seltzer. That seems like a lot. It seems like a lot. And is Alka-Seltzer the only thing in that aisle? Or is it just the only thing we're worried about? I mean, interacting with the Perrier. I think that would be the biggest worry. Because it's just going to bubble up. Really big. Maybe we should do an experiment and see what happens when we put Alka-Seltzer in Perry. I want to do this so very badly, but I don't know that it would be the best use of our time. Yeah, maybe we'll take a video and share it later. Yeah. Um, so we meet Leonard Spinelli. Uh, he tells Alan he's needed at the store because he has got a fizzing produce manager. Mm -hmm. And they have to break their plans. plans. Can't go on their trip. Yeah, so then Alan comes, like I said, and wakes Corey up. They're watching the game, eating very similar sandwiches to uh, what they were going to take. A little smaller. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were just down to their last package of ham, so they had to share it. And that's what it kind of looks like to me. Um, but only know what I really took about that it's just it's especially when you're young it's like good to spend time with your dad if your dad is a good dad if yeah. you want to spend time with him that's a good thing to spend time with your father I think that's what the show is trying to say yeah. in this episode but I have a very important question about uh -huh. this scene yes what is the best chip to put on a sandwich because I like Cool Ranch Doritos personally that is true well, it looked kind of like they were putting Fritos yeah which I gotta say isn't good yeah it's not the truest that's, I would make there's not any flavor really being added just a lot of salt and thick corn crunch so you need a good crunch we need a flavor factor so i'm thinking maybe like a sour cream and cheddar ruffles Ooh. that'd be really good definitely not pringles no that's gonna explode just yeah. potato flake explosion but cool ranch doritos would be good nacho cheese would also be good yeah i i really like the the flaming hot nacho cheese i've never put them on a sandwich maybe i should try i guess it depends what your meat of your sandwich is Ooh. so you got some, like a roast beef Maybe like a sour cream and onion Ooh, would be really good. That does sound good. Um, if we ever do live shows, we'll have chip sandwiches there. <laughs> chip sandwiches and what was the other thing I said? I've already forgotten. Uh, Unimportant. Yeah. We're going to do a skit reenacting when the police come to arrest the Matthews family. Yep, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride. Um, but yes, so that was my important takeaway from this: is man, chips on a sandwich are good. Mm -hmm. Why isn't that at restaurants? Yeah. So they're asleep, or next day, Corey falls asleep during his test, and we see kind of the first exchange between the character who will be named Sean and Minkus, yep. where he's calling him like a suck up and a teacher's pet, and all Minkus says back is like future plumber, which I gotta say, as far as insults go, isn't that good? There's good money in being a plumber. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I would really be able to provide for his family uh -huh. as a plumber. Yeah, there's dignity and work of any sort, but a plumber, you make pretty good money. So, nice try, Minkus. Not so smart. You t touched on it, but I never realized this. I've seen this show through a few times. How does Sean still not have a name? This is three episodes in. He has a, his name in the opening credits. He has a little character portrait throwing that paper airplane, but he doesn't have a name. He's just Ryder. Yeah, I I keep taking notes because I'm going to pinpoint the exact moment where they name him. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just cannot believe it. But I know, yeah. at least by the midpoint of the season, once we get to Christmas, he definitely has a name. Yeah. But it's just... We're in the, the dark times, the pre-Sean times, where it's just the kid with the good hair. The kid with the good hair. The kid with the curtained hair. Curtained hair. Yes, there's some funny moments 
Yeah, exchanges. In those exchanges where, you know, Mr. Feeney's telling Corey what grade he's going to have. And well, like, before that, we should say, uh, <clears throat> Corey fell asleep during mm-hmm. the test. Um, they're handing in their tests. We get the first sense that Minkus is like a super genius. He's making this paper air, er, this paper crane. Mm-hmm. When you pull on the tail, it flaps its wings. Uh-huh. And apparently he wrote essays for all of his answers on a multiple choice test, uh-huh. which I want to get your take on as a teacher here in a sec. Um, and then as they're handing them in, Feeney's like, this feels a C minus short. short. And then he's like, ah, Corey didn't. And he pulls the paper mm-hmm. out from Corey's sleeping body. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if a student decided to write an essay on a multiple choice test, I'm going to be honest, I'm probably not going to read it. Because it's like your grain, if it's like multiple choice, it's like, I got my thing. I'm ready to go. I'm just going to be marking them. I'm going to be in a rhythm. I'm not going to stop and read an essay that's unnecessary. I mean, maybe later if I'm bored, but I'm probably not going to be that bored to want to read a sixth grader's essay about whatever. Yeah. Maybe Edgar Allan Poe still. We <laughs> who knows who knows what subject we're in we know mr feeney does teach math but he's also he seems like a bad math teacher yep yep uh so also kind of ferpa violations all over the place which is i don't even know what that is ferpa Please. is i forget exactly what it stands for but basically it says a student's records and grades are nobody's business but the student and the teacher and their parents until they're 18 and so as he's saying like your grade is can you guess what your grade is does it start with the first letter in fajita si, si senor. senor that's 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 not not cool, Mr. Feeney. And FERPA's been around a really long time. You probably know HIPAA, like in the hospital where they can't share your medical records. This is older than that. So oh, wow. um, it predates hospitals not sharing your information. Yep. So it would have applied in 1993. And he's saying things like a C minus short and you get an F on your test. So not cool. Again, Mr. Feeney, I love you. I relate to you. Not cool. And Corey fell asleep during the test, only uh, answered the letter A, is getting a zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and he explains to Mr. Feeney why he stayed up all night. Uh with his dad for the baseball game for the no-hitter. I'm not 100% sure what constitutes a no-hitter, and I'm not sure the show knows either, mm-hmm. because at one point they say There's a, a hit. pop fly. There's definitely a hit. But it could have been the other team. I'm not sure. Anyway. Maybe, like, they hit the the um, shot that was going to be the home run to end the game. They'd pull. They'd finally score and win, but maybe they didn't. Yeah. Maybe. That's not important. I don't know. <clears throat> Neither of us are sports guys. Maybe there's more to a no-hitter than I think there is, but that doesn't matter. He explains that he was up until past midnight watching the game and Mr. Feeney says oh I thought you stayed up for something important like the Nobel Prize winners yeah the Nobel Prize winners which is that televised I don't even know I don't know Minkus watched it so I guess it was televised he starts naming people I looked it up to see who won the Nobel Prizes in 93 and none of those people that he named I think are real that I could tell but some notable winners in 1993 Toni Morrison in literature oh oh and she just died. Yeah, a couple, like a year ago, maybe. And then Nelson Mandela for, won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1993. Really? Yeah. Isn't he in jail? I'm kidding. The Mandela effect. <laughs> we yes. don't need to spend time on that. Um, I thought it was Morgan Freeman. No. Um, but yeah, okay. I didn't know that. I know who both of those people are. Mm-hmm. I'm, there are some others, but I didn't know who they were. There was some people in economics, which Mink has mentioned, but not the person that he mentioned. Uh, Beloved by Toni Morrison. Great book. Mm-hmm. It's the only one of hers I've ever read. <laughs> it's all you I know, got. All, all the Toni Morrison books. So we get back to school or back to home and Corey tells his dad, like, we're in trouble. Like, this is what happened. I got busted. Amy finds out, which she wasn't supposed to. And she lets Alan know that he's grounded. Yes. And <laughs> Corey's like, she can't do that. And he's like, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> just, 
Like, oh my gosh. I mean, Amy's kind of using sex as a weapon here now, uh-huh. isn't she? Very well. <laughs> um, uh, we're not here to debate the morality of using sex as a weapon in your marriage. That's for you to decide at home. Uh-huh. Um, so here's my question. Should Mr. Feeney give Corey a makeup test? That was my question, too. Um, I feel like you're going to have the best takes on this. So I'll give my takes real quick okay. before the golden take is made. Because I'm the kid who sleeps during the test, not the father nor the teacher. Um, I don't know. I think Mr. Feeney makes a really good point at the end about that one grade not really actually mattering all that much because it's about um, the long-term absorption mm-hmm. of knowledge. Um, I think there's a really good point. So at the end of the day, this one test grade doesn't matter. But when you're a kid and when you're a parent, those those grades are really important um, to your life. I don't know. Corey doesn't learn anything by not being able to take the makeup test because he got to take the makeup test. He would get to learn. He would get to grow. Mm-hmm. Or to um, show what he learned. Yeah. So maybe make take the makeup test, but I was a slacker, so I'm very pro makeup mm-hmm. test. I think where Mr. Feeney falls short is he should have been watching during the test to wake Corey up. Like it isn't a, well, the hour or whatever's over for a test. Sorry. He should have been like, hey man, we're taking a test. You need to wake up. Yeah. Like that's, so that one's kind of on him too. Mr. Feeney, you're slipping. But <laughs> he hasn't, he hasn't started to gain footing just yet. Yes. <laughs> Not even slipping. You are at the very bottom rung right now, Mr. Feeney. But at the same time, like, a, a test isn't a punishment. Because a test is a chance to show what you know. And it's also a way for Mr. Feeney to show whether or not his... Um, instruction is effective. And so by saying, well, you slept through the test. Sorry, you just get a zero. There's just a lot of information that could be learned and gained there for both of them and an opportunity for both of them that really kind of misses the mark. So I get what he's saying. Like, I can't just cut you some slack because if I cut you some slack, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. But at the same time. But who's really being served? Yeah, no one's really being served by saying you slept, fell asleep during the test. You get a zero. Tough. If he'd been goofing off and like ripping his test up and doing all sorts of stuff like that. That's another matter entirely, but he fell asleep. Yeah, or even if, like, falling asleep during a test is, like, regular for him. And we know he's kind of a class clown at this point, or mm-hmm. that he, like, misbehaves somewhat. But he's definitely not... We don't definitely don't get the sense, like, this has happened before. Mm-hmm. Definitely new. So, yeah. I think you should have given him another chance. Not to, like, well, this is some slack, and you don't get held to the same standard as everyone. But, like, this is important. Yeah. I'm. It's funny, because you, your first thought was, maybe Mr. Feeney should have woken him up during the test. Uh-huh. My first thought was... Was, man, if I had fallen asleep during the test tonight, a best bud who was right behind me, why didn't he wake me up? Why didn't no-name kid with the good hair wake me up? Yeah, exactly. Maybe his name is Sean someday. We still we don't still know. don't know. But it's a good joke. Always <laughs> a good joke. Also, when Corey said the last Phillies no hitter was in '91, he is correct. But that makes it seem much less impressive because that was just two years ago. Yep. And uh, Corey shows that he has good recollection knowledge. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Feeney does kind of a no no fair thing. It's like when did Magellan circumnavigate the globe. It's like, I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the fact that Magellan circumnavigated the globe, I think, is important. It's important, but when it happened, like, that's not here or there. And I do teach social studies. And I think dates aren't the important part of history. Yeah. So take that one, Mr. Feeney. Yeah, that being said, they failed to get a makeup test or a grade change. And they go in and Corey uh, describes Mr. Feeney as... A butt. A butt. (laughs) 
And then Alan is like, you don't talk about a good teacher that way. And Mr. Feeney's a great teacher. Which at this point, we still, I, it's unconfirmed. Honestly, I'm at, really doubting the truth of that statement. At, at this point, Mr. Feeney doesn't help one of his students with a math problem and shorts him 22 bucks. Uh, he teaches the... Romeo and Juliet, very wrong. Yeah, the very opposite way you should teach Romeo and Juliet. Uh, he doesn't know how water fountains work, apparently, and let his students sleep through the test. I love you, Mr. Feeney. I've seen this a lot of times. I know you become a You turn it around. But... But 35 years in, maybe you decide to kind of like slack off a bit. Yep. You're just, uh, you're not doing great at the moment, Mr. <laughs> um, and then when, but Alan does the right thing, defends the teacher, and then when the student leaves, he's just, Feeney's a butt. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I've probably been called a butt. You think you've been called a butt um, by some yeah, of your students' parents? Probably. And probably by some students, but. Well, you're a teacher. I wear it as a badge of honor. <laughs> I'm a butt. I have a button that says that. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, well, and then we get the wrap up of the episode. Mm-hmm. Well, even before that, I think Amy has some really good parenting advice. Oh, please. To Alan, just saying, like, you can't jerk your kid around and change their schedule up just to, like, make yourself feel better mm-hmm. about not always being there. Because I think, especially for a kid Corey's age, stability is really important. Having a schedule is really important. Mm hmm. And while those moments are special, shaking up everything in their life isn't the thing to do to make you feel better. I think that's some really good advice. Like, you need to figure out ways as a parent to really show your kids you love them, that you're there for them, even when it doesn't always, like, fit what you have available to you. Would you have kept your kid up for the no-hitter if you liked baseball? Well, I definitely don't like baseballs. Baseballs. I even said it wrong. I think I probably would. I think it seems important. I think the show kind of comes down on that side as well in the end. Yeah. Something important that I would want to share with my kid but then like if there's consequences for that it's like okay this is what yeah you gotta live with the consequences uh-huh. of it that's true you can't have it both ways so yes amy has some good advice i have forgotten all about that so i'm glad you uh i wrote it down i'm glad you did uh and then we get the return of everyone's favorite character leonard spinelli <laughs> leonard spinelli love this guy actor's name is willie garson this is uh spoiler alert not the last time we'll no. be seeing this character do we see well, it one more time this is maybe the last time we'll see this character no. i don't remember leonard spinelli does come back oh does he he's in at least one other episode okay we'll see this actor a few more times though oh yeah he is in one more episode uh-huh. well we'll get there we'll get there we're not ta- we're not going ahead so yes uh we get leonard spinelli coming back alan has just sent Corey to change into his tennis clothes they're gonna go hit some tennis balls which again solidly middle class family what are they doing playing tennis <laughs> It's a good question. Tennis is not a sport for people like them. I played a little tennis. I mean, not a lot. It seems way too bougie to play some tennis. And have tennis clothes. Well, that's that's definitely... So white with the little sweater wrapped around him. I don't know. I, I wasn't paying attention if he came out. No, it was like plaid shorts and a red. So sweater, normal, but... normal Corey clothes. <laughs> yeah, norm, normal Corey clothes. Um, Leonard Spinelli shows up. Terrible fire. Uh, well, <laughs> I actually really like this part. Uh, Alan and Amy are making out in the kitchen. <laughs> Leonard walks in, and Leonard. I, I mean, I guess he's never seen that before. Oh, you're giving mouth to mouth resuscitation to Mrs. Matthews. Matthews. <laughs> But yeah, walks in on an intimate moment, and Alan 
is like, you know, there is always going to be a problem at the store, and that's why they have a manager. But do you know why they have an assistant manager? <laughs> to come and get the, ma- the manager when there's a problem. No, it's to assist the manager by taking care of the problem. <laughs> uh, again, reinforcing my thought, how he did sh- Leonard get this job? He shouldn't be the person. And he must provide a good service. He has to. Because, I mean, Alan works so hard, as we just established. Why would he hire someone who can't can't do it? But I, that may actually be part of my point. Maybe if Leonard did more of his job. Yeah, he could <laughs> sit down and eat his lunch. Thanks a lot, Lenny. Dang you, Lenny. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, so uh, Leonard's like, yes, I can take care of this. We will just never put the lighter fluid next to the rotisserie chickens again. <laughs> Which, that is an odd place for lighter fluid. Uh-huh. So there was a fire. Yes, and so Alan has to go off, take care of that. And so we kind of have the wrap-up of everything with Corey and Mr. Feeney drinking some apple juice in Mr. Feeney's backyard. Another fence talk. Yeah. We already had another fence talk in this episode, but now we have this backyard set piece again. And Mr. Feeney's telling a sad story of his life or during the war in Europe, which I can assume to be World War II. I hope it's World War <laughs> World War One. He's that old. Um, but Corey has the great joke. Did your parents call you Mr. Feeney? <laughs> <laughs> One of those, I can't really imagine my teachers being real people uh-huh. moments. Yes. But Talking about how he wanted the war to end and he, uh, the sacrifices he had to make. Part of the war, like getting butter on his toast or having good shoes, like good sneakers. And um, so he wants to listen to the president give the speech about the end of the war. And his dad says no. And it kind of comes out on the side of... My, well, your dad just wanted you to uh, get a good education. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, he just didn't want me around. He was hanging out with his buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, and do you know what I learned the next day in school when I was well rested? And he's like, oh, probably something big like the Magna Carta or something like that. And he's like, I have no idea what I learned because that's not what education is. And I think he hits on something really well there. Um, he's not saying education is about learning facts or learning, you know, like the joke that I think our generation says, like, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. We're not going to teach you anything important. We're going to teach you these random facts. And Mr. Feeney's saying, that's not what it's about. Like, education is about, like, yes, some facts and slow absorption over time, but it's learning how to think, learning how to think critically and problem solve, um, which I totally agree with. Um, that should be the point. Maybe not what's always focused on in the day-to-day of education, but should be the end goal. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. It's kind of being immersed in a environment of learning so that you mm-hmm. want to continue so your star's on the rise a little bit, Mr. Feeney. Yeah, it was a it was a good point. Still think you should let the kid take a makeup test, but your point that that grade really doesn't matter in the long run, that you're not really going to remember that one grade. I mean, that's a that's a point well taken. Mm-hmm. I think where Mr. Feeney's point maybe is um, called into question is Corey has now done Romeo and Juliet. Edgar Allan Poe knows what the Magna Carta is, has no clue what World War II is. <laughs> the <laughs> sneaker war. The European sneaker war, yep. he calls it. Uh, the European sneaker war because of the rubber rationing making their be no sneakers um and that's the thing he takes away is world what world war ii is <laughs> and i just feel like he shouldn't know what the raven is in sixth grade but he should definitely know what world war ii is in sixth grade but who knows what their sort of pacing guide was for that year maybe they're gonna get to it and i'm sure cory doesn't know what the magna carta is uh-huh. but i mean he at least knows that the it's magna a thing is, it's is something thing. important they have a really nice moment apparently mr feeney pours apple juice from a plastic container into a i think they're called decanters mm, it's like a decanter 
Yeah, pro- and it looked like a setup for Brandy or Scotch. Mm-hmm. So he's very fancy. Corey thinks he's getting away with something. Yeah, he thinks he's going to drink some alcohol. Um, but it Boy, didn't. would he be in for a shock <laughs> if it was. <laughs> yeah, if it was Brandy or Scotch. <laughs> especially as fancy as a person as Mr. Feeney is. Um, but yeah, and that is pretty much the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Final thoughts? So I think this one was also good. The only thing I'm going to knock it for is there's very little Morgan in this episode. <laughs> And that is a real crime. Mm-hmm. We do have that new character of Leonard Spinelli. The standout. I think kind of stands out in this episode. But where's Morgan? Mm-hmm. I don't feel like she does all that much. And it makes me very sad. Yeah, um, I think this is a good episode with a solid end. Um, it really pushes home the idea brought up in the very first episode that Corey understands nothing about his life. Um, even like as he's learning this lesson, he's confused because both adults seem mm-hmm. to be right. And I think... Mm-hmm. And they both say the other one is right. Mm-hmm. And then he even says, I only think one way about things and I'm always wrong. And that's how I feel all the time. But... Um, um, so I think it really pushes that that moral through, and I like that. Um, that being said, the humor just doesn't land for me in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of the humor just, just barely misses. I think the idea of Perry and Alka-Seltzer is really funny. Very hilarious. Um, Morgan could have saved this. Yeah, Morgan could have saved this. A few more jokes could have saved this. Um, some some good minkus could have saved this, but I just didn't think it was very funny. Definitely had a clearer through line, though, mm-hmm. than episode one. Definitely clearer through line. Um, I think it was episode one quality a little bit better. Um, the one thing that I will knock this episode for is apparently their idea of what masculinity is, which is like baseball and meat and like not having truckers make fun of you, which how are truckers <laughs> seeing what your lunch is? <laughs> they just are. They in those big high trucks just looking down at you. Um, the When Alan's uh, going away, Corey's like, you step out that door. I'm going to ballet like him being in ballet <laughs> could be like the a little plie yeah, a little plie like that could be the worst thing um i think we're we're at a more evolved point in society where that doesn't necessarily have to be masculinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was kind of a bummer to see. But I definitely, definitely growing up in the 90s, like, that did not seem out of place. Yeah, very much so. That the mom would be ruining guy time, not enhancing it. Mm-hmm. Making him um, eat apples. Yeah. What a sucker. But that was kind of a bummer. That part hasn't aged super well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, um, I still think it's an enjoyable episode. What's your rating? I gave it a 7.5. Oh, that's still pretty high. I'm only giving it a 6.5. Mm-hmm. Noticing a trend here. What's I our guess, trend? I guess, I guess the last one we gave it the same score. We're always like about, about a point away. Maybe I'm a little too generous. But I think it's better than episode one. Mm-hmm. I think that the plot is good. I think what it says about fatherhood is really good. I think you're right. I think I probably would have given it a higher score had it not just come off a very funny episode. Mm. I but- mean, you got to have your hills and your valleys. Yeah, and the, just none of the humor landed with me. Um, yeah, I can't think of a single like great joke. The fajita joke wasn't didn't land. Um, I thought I thought the moment between um, Corey and uh, Mr. Feeney and you know Alan, I'll get him in bed promptly, and Mr. Feeney going like, you know, if there was a if there was a chance to get my kid up for a baseball game or to watch the president or no reason at all. Um, I would probably take it. I thought, you know, it was very heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's good. But just the humor, the lack thereof. Um, we're not talking about Eric. Sean still doesn't have a name. All those things together. Uh, we're just not hitting it just yet. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a 6.5. Better than the first episode. Um, but I, I, I would say a significant 
dip from um, uh, the previous episode. From the previous episode. Um, so that gives uh, the previous episode an eight aggregate mm-hmm. score from us, and this episode a, a seven. A seven. So we've already it's got math. Even Corey could do. Yep. So probably not. Yeah. Did, <clears throat> did they do decimals that early? Um, sixth grade, you do decimals. You do averaging, but he can't do regular multiplication, so he probably couldn't do this. Okay. This is two step. He would have to multiply and then divide. Yep. So we've got He's in trouble. He'd add and then divide. We've Sorry. got a six point five, a seven, and an eight. Um, so we're already getting a good uh spread mm-hmm. for our uh for our tournament at the end. Yes. So let's talk timeline. Yes, we've, this actually has quite a few a significant addition yep. to the timeline. I think we, both of us are going to have opinions about Mr. Feeney's age, but I think the first thing that we can concretely put on the timeline is George Feeney has been teaching for 35 years. Yes, he says that outright. Like through 35 years of teaching, he uses a very fancy word. I would not, I have not abrogated my responsibility to impart knowledge. I had yep. to look up what the, word, what the word abrogate meant. First, I thought he said aggregate. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. No, that so would definitely not I be right. I looked it up, abrogate, which just means to like let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been teaching for 35 years, which can give us some idea as to his age. Yeah. What are you thinking? Well, okay. So he talks about being a little bit younger than Corey. So I would say a little bit younger than Corey, anywhere between 8 and 11. Um, any more than that, and you're kind of bordering on a lie. Um, and that's when Truman announced the end of the war, which we know was May 8th, 1945. So if it is now 1993, that puts Mr. Feeney's age between, I would say, 55 and 59. If he was 11 when that happened, if he was also in sixth grade, um, I would say he is 59. Um, but I, I, I'm willing to give him as young as 55. About a f- mm-hmm. I didn't go at it from that way. I said he's been teaching for 35 years. If we assume at 18 he graduates high school, goes to university for four years, that would put him at 22, graduating there, 35 years of teaching. On top of that, 22 plus 35 is 57. So I'm right smack there in the middle of what you said. So Mr. Feeney is about 57 years old. Yeah, right right around that age. And that would have put him at nine when uh, Truman made the announcement in 1945. Mm -hmm. So that would still be a little younger. Up. We don't have, we can't have a, a solid because Mr. Feeney does say, and you know, people uh-huh, take time off. Uh-huh. He Mr. doesn't seem the type. He has that puritanical work ethic. He does, of but his father. But there are things that will lead us to believe Mr. Feeney may have at least a master's. So that would Ooh. also that is true age him up. Um, but you can get that while you're teaching. That's true. You can also. I'm get doing that while it. You're teaching. He is. He is doing it uh, currently. Um, that being said, I feel like 57 to 59 is super old for Mr. Feeney. I don't think there's any way he's that old. I would say early 50s at the most. Mm -hmm. But we have to assume 57-ish. Yeah, Yeah, 57-ish, give or take two years. Um, Also, important point on the timeline, World War II does happen. Well, yes. Which you think wouldn't be something you have to clarify, but in the show you do. Yep, so World War II is a thing that happens. Um, so just to recap, we're not going to always recap the timeline but until we have something like written down written down i'm gonna do it so uh we actually have confirmation that Corey is in sixth grade now Mm -hmm. that happens in this episode um, which we were assuming but it's said in this episode so he is 11 in the sixth grade eric is 15 in the 10th grade uh amy and alan have been in an apartment in an apartment um alan and eric work at a grocery store and Mr. Feeney's been teaching 35 years and is roughly 57 years old. Boom. So far, so good. 
smooth sailing. Um, yeah, so there you have it. We have talked through episode 102, On the Fence, and episode 103, Father Knows Less, from season one of Boy Meets World. Yeah, um, next week we will be going through episode 104, Corey's Alternate Friends, where I think, I do not know this, I have not looked ahead, but I think Sean is going to be named in that episode. Um, yeah, we do meet the other major character it's of Boy Meets World. So that's going to be an exciting episode. And then uh, an episode I'm actually re- relatively uh, excited for us, uh, Killer Bees with the Geography Tournament. Um, mm-hmm. So we've had a lot of Cameron being able to explain being a teacher, but I'm a geography major. Uh, that was my, uh, that's what I studied in school. Oh, yeah. That's what I have a degree in. So uh, w- when he's going to a geography bee, I'll be able to add a little insight, maybe. He can tell us what the heck the two emotas are. No, because you don't learn that kind of stuff in geography. <laughs> Bummer. <clears throat> well, Corey um, didn't either, so... Yeah, it's true. Um, so those are going to be next week's episode. Um, we finally have our social media squared away. Finally, not... It's one episode, but... <laughs> About time. People so, have been asking for it. We were going to try to do BMW World Fever, or uh, BMW, BMW Fever... Fever. Uh, for Boy Meets World Fever, um, but... The- There's a little car company called BMW. Maybe you've heard of it, but they got a lock on that sort of thing. Yep, so uh, the the abbreviation BMW is lost to us. So uh, we're actually everywhere at BG World Fever because we're also going to do Girl Meets World. So Boy, Girl, World, world Fever. fever. Uh, or BG World Fever. You can find us on Twitter at that. We have not yet tweeted. Um, we will probably start tweeting when... Uh, the first episode goes mm-hmm. live, and uh, you can send us emails at bgworldfever at gmail.com. Yeah, so once you start going, if you have things you want to add, questions, comments, anything at all, just send it to that Gmail or tweet at us, bgworldfever. Yeah, and maybe answer a few questions like, what would you want your superhero dad to be? Or would you rather have a superhero mom? Amy's That'd really cool underserved too. in this episode, so would you rather have a superhero mom? Uh, and uh, what chip would you put on a sandwich? Those are good questions to The most answer. important questions, obviously. Um, but yeah, that's it for this week. I am Chance Anderson. And I am Cameron Liner. And this has been Boy Meets World Fever. Brought to you by Oahu Face Savers, unless someone real decides to sponsor us.